You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? We are back with episode four. It's good to be back. Uh, we had a lot to cover on episode three, and we have even more on this episode. So, Tyler, how uh, how you been running this week? So, I had kind of an interesting situation happen. Um, I think it was it was definitely last week, some point. So, I went to go play on a live stream for the first time ever. Um, I know you said you played at the Paramount live stream before, so this was a cash game live stream. And I never played at a live stream before, so I got to, I was there before it started, and I got to see them, like, um, scan all the cards, and I'd never seen, did you see that when you played at the Paramount live stream? No, I'd heard that's how they did it, because with the RFID cards, uh, but I'd never seen them actually scan it on there. I guess, I guess they had the machine in the back and just did it, and you really didn't see that part of it. Um, yeah, it just told them when, what card to put at a certain point, but I just thought that was kind of cool. I had never seen that before, but what was interesting was, so we were playing on the live stream and somebody complained about a card, like having a scratch or a tear or something was wrong. I don't even really know what was wrong with the card. So we had to get a new card, but then when you just randomly bring in a new card, you have to rescan all the cards. Do you have to rescan all of them or just one? Uh, this case, it was all of them. Oh, God. Right. I did, I did not realize that was a thing. Well, remember, because I called you during it, um, and I was like, hey, we're kind of on break because this happened. That's what they were doing. They had to rescan all the cards. Oh, okay. I mean, if it has to be done that way, it has to be done that way. But I'm um, kind of shocked. I didn't. I would have I would have figured you could just rescan one and, call, and called it good. But I have no idea or any experience on how that stuff goes. So if they're doing it that way, I assume that's just the way you do it. Right, I just, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool, so, um, or interesting, plays a role later um, in the story, but, so that happened kind of toward, right at the beginning of the session, so then, now we're playing these hands, and we have a situation happen where one player, uh, it went like raise, call, three bet, four bet, and this player wants to call, he had a very high uh, VPIP, he managed to hit over 80%. It's a lot of hands played. It's a lot of hands played. But this was, I mean, just a massive four bet. And um, he folds and shows the dealer's cards. And they get it all in. It's aces versus kings, all in preflop, of course. Wait, uh, verify uh, this. Uh, he shows his, the dealer's his cards? Is he, like, in the one seat and just kind of flips them up for the dealer to look and knew the dealer or something? He was in, like, the three seat, but it was such a big fold for him mm-hmm. <laughs> that... um. He showed the dealer, and then the dealer didn't really even look, and just whatever. And then he would have flopped a set and rivered quads, right? And he lost his mind. Just couldn't believe it. Ace is scooped. King's lost. But so he's like, oh, I would have had quads. So now cut about maybe three hours later. Okay. Um, We were playing a hand, and it was a very uneventful hand. Um, And... At the end of the hand, one of the players said, hey, well, I guess it doesn't really matter what card it is. I guess pick a card, Clint. Uh, 
Seven. Sure. Okay. So he said, hey, I had the seven of diamonds in my hand, I think. He was like, but there's one on the board. And he was like, maybe can you can you check the muck just real quick? If I'm almost 100% sure I had the seven of diamonds in my hand. But we're all looking at the seven of diamonds on the flop. Seems unlikely that it's going to be in the muck. So they end up fishing through the muck and finding that there are two seven of diamonds. When they rescanned in the cards, they are now they had two of the same card in there. That is such a insane situation. They had two. They had two of the same card in the deck. I mean, uh, there's so many questions here because it seems like y'all had been playing a couple hours. Uh, yes. One is so, and it's all it's on a live stream. It just seems like it would have come up at some point. Other than, I wonder if it was scanned in wrong or how that would have worked. I mean, was it, I wonder if it was scanned as another card, or I mean, I just don't know. That is a weird situation. I mean, and it's super shocking that it didn't come up before then, really. Well, and here's the other thing. So I went back and I actually looked at the live stream because that one guy said he had pocket sevens or whatever, um, and he folded preflop to the four bet. Pretty right. loose call it pocket sevens, but you know, yeah, <laughs> makes I mean, sense why he folded. Yeah, good fold. But I went back and looked. He did have the seven of diamonds, and then when the seven of diamonds came on the flop, it went blank, and then it went to a seven of diamonds on the flop, and then the one in his hand went blank. I mean, this seems like such a, and that was way before it was caught. Way before, hours before it was caught. It seems like so many people dropped the ball here. I mean, one is something had to be scanned wrong. I mean, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you sh- yeah, I, I, it seems like something. Because, I mean, that's something that I know somebody's watching it, and they should be looking at that and checking the, check just checking that thoroughly. Well, I mean, I wonder. I mean, me and you both have watched multiple streams, um, all the streams. We've seen card errors. Um I'm sure that happens all the time where one card gets scanned in incorrectly, but never having two of the same cards. We both have seen wasn't it just recently on the champions live stream that he actually had a different hand and he called and everyone was like, he called and then when he turned it over, it was a different card. Weren't weren't you watching that when that happened? Yeah. Cause that, well, okay. Now this goes back to the whole Mike Possel thing. It makes me wonder because Okay, wasn't the whole thing about Mike Possel, like I heard about the RFID cards. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where if a card was wrong or something, if it was scanned wrong, it would show up wrong every single time. Mm-hmm. I wonder how, it seems like if it was scanned wrong, it, but then it, they were both scanned as a seven of diamonds or they, or whatever card. Uh, yeah. It seems like that's a made up card, but like I say, <laughs> say it's a seven of diamonds considering I picked it, and I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> saying, so just... it was, uh, but you said they bo- it both showed up as Seven of Diamonds in that person's hand and then got blanked out when the other one. So I would assume the computer has some way to not let the same card be done twice, and it just kind of overrides. I mean, but somebody should somebody should pick up on this. I mean, it, super shocking that it could go hours on end with a wrong deck. Right, it was very strange, but then it kind of leads you to the question of 
what can you do as the live stream or the the room or whoever was putting it on? What what, what do you think they should do in that situation? Because there's really not much you can do. Okay, well, this is super weird because I haven't seen anything like that until this exact same week. So when I'm playing in a poker room, they're running a bomb pot. Mm, no, it was a it was a regular it was a regular pot, it, but it was Omaha, and sometimes they'll do five card. Well, they get to the end of the deck, and it uses pretty much all the same cards at the exact same time. They ran out of cards. They only had fifty one cards in the deck, and of course, this was a big problem. So luckily, I think it had gone check check, and everybody just decided. We're going to take the money. They were, I wasn't in this hand. They're going to take the money out of the pot. But it leads itself, again, this was a major question of what, how you rectify this. Because uh, before I tell you what happened there, what did the place you were doing, what did they do? So all they did was they just said, well, we're sorry this happened. Um we're just going to rescan a new cards, and this has ruined our night for us. <laughs> like anybody who lost there, ruined our night for us too, because we don't really know. Uh, it's kind of the same thing at the place I was at. I mean, but okay, let's be devil's advocate. You know, okay, the, a lot of people on this podcast would be like, everybody should get their money back, and I a hundred percent understand. Not even saying that's wrong, but. The people who won put their money at risk, just just the same. So you can't take the money out of the winner stack because they did it wrong. So if you're not going to do that, then is the whole poker room just going to start writing blank checks to everybody who lost that night? That's not really going to happen either. So I, outside of saying I'm sorry... And all that, I'm just not sure how you really rectify the situation. I, I, every, somebody's going to be pissed all the time here. I definitely agree with that. Someone's always going to be pissed. It's kind of like being a referee at some sort of sports events. Half the people are going to be happy. Half are going to be upset. But I do think this was kind of my theory that someone told me that they thought they could have done. Tell me what you think about it. But maybe could they have given everybody $100 of free time? I think they could have done something. I mean, I'm not I don't I think this is going to be a slippery slope because the minute you the minute you do that and say, "Hey, we'll give you this time," then someone's going to come back and say, "I lost $500 tonight. Maybe I shouldn't have lost $500. What is your $40 or your $100 a time day?" That's what I was going to say. I was just, I was kind of thinking that because I'll tell you what, no one lost $500. It was way more, but it's not even a drop in the bucket. But I mean, I do kind of think it's a nice gesture, gesture. It's a nice gesture. I just think, it, I think it kind of, would I rather see that happen? Probably yes, but I think it does open Pandora's box a little bit. Uh, Like, I mean, you're just going to have somebody being like, well, that's, I feel like you would have multiple people just be like, that's not enough. You're admitting, like, you're at fault, and I lost this. I I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's an easy way. 
once you make this mistake, there's a reason not a there's not a really easy way out of it. I will say where it happened, the owner was very apologetic, uh, was very sincere about it and everything like that. I felt like that went a long way. Uh, I mean, for me, I was it was a night where I was winning everything, so I mean, I wasn't horribly pissed about it or anything. But the other, some of the people were, you know, it's one of those things. It's just like a dealer making a mistake at a poker table, and someone feels like they got screwed. You know, the people who run these games, the people who scan those cards, it sucks. It, it we I hate to ever see it happen. But whenever you have human beings running stuff, human beings aren't perfect, and something can, I mean, something's going to go wrong eventually. So it sucks, but I hate, but I mean, that's just kind of part of the game, I assume. And also, it's just as likely to help than it is to hurt you. I mean, either way could happen. I mean, even if you get killed in that game, cards could have fallen different and you could have been the one like you were the big winner just as likely to hurt you as to help you. Yeah. It's a, exactly. I mean, it's a lot like, like I say, a dealer screwing up a reward, like, you know, rewarding somebody wrong. Well, if they award someone the wrong pot, that's a <laughs> very different story. So bad comparison there, but I don't know what they can do. It's just not an easy answer. I guess kind of like you said, someone's always going to think that they should do more and no one's ever, everyone, there's never going to be a situation where everyone is happy. So it's kind of like maybe just be apologetic, move on because at the end of the day, you can't make everyone happy and you're not going to sit there and like you said, write a blank, blank check to everybody. Cause what if this happened at the nosebleed stakes? They're not gonna, I mean, sell the room. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But, like, like you say, it could have also helped you. It could. There's no way to know who it helped, who it hurt. And everything else, and I mean, you can't, you can't just blame your bad play all night. I mean, you calling every pre-flop raise with jack three off, and you know, chasing gut shot straight draws on the fact that this one card was wrong. So, uh, the fact that nobody seems to have caught this for three hours makes me think they all should have lost anyway. I mean, I don't know how you don't realize that there's two cards in the same deck. Here would have been something really interesting is if that guy would have called with that pocket pair versus the aces and the kings and flopped the well, he would have rivered quads. Oh god, that would have been But both the cards were in play there. Ugh. I don't know. That's a very interesting scenario. I don't know what you do in that case. I mean if you're the guy, you probably don't point out that you have the <laughs> That you have quads at that point that are matching every. I would hope everybody would kind of notice what was going on, but I don't know what you do. I I feel like that's going to be a real big problem for a lot of people. Um, very happy that it didn't come down to exact hand like that, because at that point I think it becomes very different. I I would. I'm glad it didn't happen. I would be interested to see how they would handle that exact scenario. I think in that exact scenario, I think they were talking about it because the hand that they notice it happens, everyone just gets their money back. That seems... Well, that's exactly what happened at ours uh, game. So, like I say, everybody was in there on the flop, noticed there was a uh, wrong amount of cards, and everybody just ended up getting their money back. Because was, there was one guy who was super insistent about it, 
which it's kind of hard to say that he shouldn't be. Uh, and then I think the owner made the call rightly that if one player gets their money back, it just has to be every player. You can't just sit there and chop the pot different ways in, in the pot. That sounds complicated, what they were even proposing, to where some people got their money back and others didn't. But I guess that's a whole different thing. The, that game is a game of its own anyways. So I, I'm shocked. I, any outcome would have been non-shocking to me. But that's what happened. And I thought that was, I thought it was handled with as much grace as something like that could be handled. Like I say, people people make mistakes. I don't know what to what you really can do about it. What are the chances of us both on the same night having two faulty decks where I've never even seen it happen once out of all the hours I've played? That is crazy because give you a behind the scenes, y'all. Uh, I'd heard about this hand before. He's recounting on the podcast, but I was telling when you were telling me originally that. It, it had never happened. I could not remember any any scenario like that where just the wrong amount of cards, there was two cards in the same deck or anything like that, uh, and then it happens the exact same week. I thought that was kind of crazy. Uh, it's just, to me, just astronomical. Wasn't it the same night? It might have been the same night. Actually, I think it was the same night. Say, because you, you text me, I already went to sleep, but then, because I remember reading it being like, I mean, this is just astronomically low percent of it happening to both of us the same night. Yeah, I just I hadn't seen it hardly ever, and it happened the same. Now, mine was on a, on a live stream. Mine was just at a regular game, but still shocking. Uh, still shocking because I... You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to call into uh, Bart's uh, podcast, the Crush Life Poker podcast, and recount these scenarios and see what should be done in the scenario. Well, maybe we'll try calling him, penciling him in or whatever as a third mic. We'll see what he says. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's always been a big fan of us and can't get and can't wait to get on the Texas Poker podcast. It, you know, I like to make people's dreams come true and so so Bart, I'm going to make your dreams come true. You you you, co- you come out, come on in and we'll get you in here somehow some way. I was about to say. So you could say you've made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh okay so well okay aside from how you uh <laughs> just getting r- just random crazy crap done dealt to you how did you run this week um so i guess well i guess after today i ended up well last week I ended up being up just a little bit because <laughs> well i got it in with a set verse uh in a five way counting myself pot when i had a set two people had the same open-ended flush draw someone else flopped two pair and someone else was just in there rumbling and turn completed their both of their straights and all the money went in and then i boated on the river to scoop so aside being super lucky i was profitable you know what the only part that matters is the last part (laughs) is being profitable (laughs) Like, uh, what was it on the Champions live stream that the the lion guy, God forbid somebody get lucky at a poker table. <laughs> I thought that was a really great quote. Uh, man, very nice. It's uh, And didn't that tournament end up being a three-way chop? I believe so. It was latest, late at night, and my wife kept glaring at me as I was trying to watch it in the bedroom. 
and once the once what who I forget what his name was. Everybody in chat was just calling him the lion. He has this like gray mane of hair that was going like past his shoulders and stuff. Once he busted out, I was like, it looked like they were gonna chop it up. Did not care. That dude ripping off his mic in the middle of the game and just kind of losing his shit was super entertaining for that final table. Um, but I guess the, the even though it was a three way chop, the winner was um, June Park. So congrats to him. As I think know. it was two hundred seventy one thousand dollars. Right on the money. Oh, man, that is. I kind of congratulate him, and I kind of hate him. That's just how I roll. I'm, I, 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 this is a this is a jealous jealous guy right here. Congratulations, June Park. That's pretty amazing what you did. It's uh so that was a really good. I'll tell you what. Nothing in poker feels better than being on the downswing, watching your bankroll just burn to the ground, just watching your hourly go down, and finally, finally at the very end, you're like. Fuck poker. I'm going to be a professional Overwatch player. I'm going to try some disc golf or just looking for any other hobby. You finally bust out of that downswing and bust right through it back to being profitable even even before the downswing started. Nothing feels better, and that is where I'm at. Thank you, God. Oh, my God. I was go losing my crap. <laughs> Right, and this was over multiple sessions, not just one massive one, but it was, I think it was three giant sessions. Yeah, uh, so I, so as you know, I, I've played at that Central Texas Poker. Uh, I'm very happy to have another place in College Station to play. Had a great session there, a great session at Paramount, had another one at, where was it? Oh, Prime, had a really good session there. So it's uh, uh, it's all looking up for me finally, which took a damn bit of while. But we are back to we are back to in the green. Uh, and then on a side note, uh, played the Paramount satellite today. I mean, not the Paramount, the Prime satellite today. Super cool satellite. It was a three tables. Uh, they they awarded one seat to the one million dollar guarantee, and I believe it was like a five hundred dollar second place prize. Uh, great action. Great. I mean, I think easily if you are a good player, you could win that satellite and get a seat. So I definitely encourage all people to do that. <laughs> so it's a, but yeah, it was really really awesome. I will tell you this. So breaking out of this downswing, I it gave me a new perspective. So I was telling you the other day when everything was being burned to the ground. And I was like, man, poker, I just, I don't think I know how to play it anymore. I had thought of, of being a dealer. Now, you know, me and, me and Todd, we do work in the medical field. And from what I heard, you know, it might not, it makes around the same as if I didn't work full time and just did that. It was, it might be a little less, but I was like, well, this could be kind of cool. I was like, What's better if you're not playing poker, just dealing the cards, BSing? I guess I had been at least good tables for the last couple of weeks. I was like, that seems like I'd be a cool job. Yeah. So they brought these dealers in from Houston to my, uh, my hometown game, which all kinds of random crap. It does not run like a lot of Houston, and it's all the same players. 
and this table got rowdy. I mean, these dealers, I, there is, I'll tell you what, after seeing what these dealers went through, that, and then there was another place I, I went, and it was also a tough table, I got a hand at these dealers. In no way do I want to be a dealer. That is a tough job. It looks fun when you're at cool tables, but when you are at a, like, a table where just half the table's drunk as crap, Oh, good Lord. I can only imagine. And it, this, and then at this place I was at, the first one, there was only one or two dealers. So they're not rotating. Like, at least if it's like 52 social or something, you and you're at a bad table, you know, you get the rotation. You have 15 minutes of hell before you go somewhere else. This, they were just there stuck all night long dealing with just all kinds of crap. And I just completely changed my perspective. So... I gave the I gave the dealer I tried to tip the dealer pretty well because that's a tough job when you are at a tough table. Right, because before um, when I was in school, I actually I was a dealer for probably two years, maybe a little bit more, maybe two or three years. I actually dealt, um, but not in any poker rooms or um, like actual cash games. They were all um, like charity games. Like companies would have us out. And like they would either do a poker tournament, but the first, but you would win tickets to a raffle. That's how they would do it. So like we would do stuff for like Wounded Warriors, um, like ALS Awareness, um, different adoption places, stuff like that. And um, but man, it is a tough gig being the dealer. But these were for games that were really for no money, mainly charity games. But I'm, but people were there and they were just trying to give their money away or would just be like you said, just super drunk, not know what's going on. I mean, up running around with the cards, stuff like, I mean, just madness going on. That's got to be so tough. That might even be tougher because, you know, on that, at least on most poker tables, there's a kind of a fine line of what you can and can't get away with. Uh, like my home game, like the, what I call my home game, when the city is small enough, it's all the same players, so it's just, that I consider it a home game. It's not played at home, but it's just meaning that's all the same players that are normally there. But a lot of a lot of kind of antics go on that just is kind of would never fly in Houston. But yours might even be tougher because, like, it's got to be tough to handle people who a lot of times probably half of them don't even know how to play poker. Well, see, that's whenever it was the toughest. Was if everyone doesn't know how to play poker. It's fine. No one really cares because no one's taking it that serious. The problem would be when it would be like one or two guys who are trying, or three, who are serious, have played live at the casino or whatever, and they want it to be handled like a real poker game. And I mean, it's very far from a real poker game because it's a charity thing where people just show up and get drunk and just throw the chips around and just see what happens. That's when it would get tough because they would get kind of complaining and will kind of get mad at the players and tell me like, see, right. You tell him he can't bet like that. That's a string bet. He can't do that. And you know, like, well, technically he's right. But I mean, we're also playing for fun at a party and he's drunk and has never played before. So it does seem like a weird time to start enforcing the string bet, but I'll tell him, but he seems pretty drunk right now. He doesn't seem to be listening <laughs> by the way. He's walking away <laughs> with yeah. one of the cards. So I'm going to go try to catch one of those cards before he leaves. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I can just see that being tough. I mean, the only thing I can think of close to that was like the bar poker games, where it would be a, 
it's not for it's for no money, but you get people there who take it super seriously, which in all honesty, as long as they're not, you know, talking crap about the new players and all that, it's perfectly fine. It's a uh, cuz to me it's on those I never wanted to reinforce like I wanted the rules to be enforced because some people might actually use that as a stepping stone to go and play uh, play live poker. But yours is kind of a one-off thing, so it's a little bit different. So, I it's always a tough... I mean, we talked about it with Paramount and, like, newer players, like how tough you enforce some of these rules all the time. You don't want to make it just undoable for new players because me and you have gotten new players, and we know how intimidating it is because, you know, a ton of people we've tried to get over there, they're like, well, I don't know the rules. I'm nervous I'm going to do something wrong. So you don't want to really just make someone feel like crap, but you also want to enforce the rules that are there. And it's a fine line to walk as a dealer. And I'll tell you what, was not did not realize how bad that could be until this week, it seems like. Um, and the other thing was, like, I even have friends who know the rules, know how to play, know how to play well. Still don't want to go play live because they think they're going to do something wrong or embarrass themselves or people will get mad at them. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's super intimidating, which I think we all need to help the new players because the game is better with the more people that are out there. Here's the thing: is the more people out there, the more fish and donkeys there are. I mean, hopefully, I'm hoping new players learn and everything and become non-fish and donkeys, and that the more fish and donkeys replenish them. But the more players that are, the better it does for everybody. So, and the other thing is, you can't play poker by yourself. It's very tough. It's very boring. <laughs> Extremely you, boring. You don't win or lose very much. Uh, so, also this week I was looking at it. It was, it brought to light the crazier and sometimes the more annoying the table is, is super profitable. You would agree? Absolutely. Just depending, uh, sometimes it really is one player who is being crazy and annoying, but also the one making the game super profitable. So how how bad does it get? Would you rather you rather play it a game where everybody's friendly, everybody's fun, most people know the game to a certain degree to where there's not a gigantic edge, maybe a slight edge, or like a table where everything is just gone bananas, people are screaming at each other, but you know there's a profit to be made at the table. In the game that you're describing, is it one player who's going bananas, like one player who's leading the action and giving the action, or is it like four guys going crazy, but all, like you said, gambling it up, getting it in bad? Multiple players at, 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 at both times, which, I mean, some of these, like, and some of these people I know, and I actually love playing with them, but, I mean, when you're just drunk drunk off your ass, I mean, you most people get obnoxious. I probably do, too. But I'm just wondering... Like, what level it it is as far as, is this profitable, but it's, God, oh my God, it's hor- it's just annoying as hell versus, you know, we, are, you just, are you just muscling every single thing out and just staying and grinding it as long as you know that you, there's a profit to be made? So I think it kind of, for me, it depends on a few things. If the player who's given the, who's given the action, running, you know, yelling and playing, if there's if their their actions are fast, it doesn't bother me that much. But when people sit there when they're drunk and just sit there for five minutes, three minutes, which is an eternity when you're paying for time, 
that's when it really starts to bother me because it doesn't really matter how good the action is they're giving. When we're getting, when you cut your hands per hour down in half because you have one player who will sit there and think and think and just be drunk looking around. That's, I mean, that is just such a killer for me. That was part of it, especially at one of them. So it's a, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty tough. And like I say, it's a, I find that I like to play at it for as long as I can, but you know, it's poker. That's a part of the reason we love poker is the freedom. So, but I think I got like a three hour tolerance, two to three hour tolerance of it getting crazy, just stupid. And then I'm like, well, at this point, uh, if I'm, uh, if I'm at a pretty decent profit, I think I just call it good for the night. It seems like that's my tolerance level. I can only play for a very long time in those kind of games, just depending, only depending on if the action is flowing. It doesn't bother me that people are yelling and screaming or doing whatever, betting a hundred dollars preflop. That doesn't bother me. Um, what does bother me is when the person's going crazy, giving good action, yelling, having fun, making horrible calls and stuff, and then the floor comes over to try to. Tell them they need to come. This happened to me at Lake Charles. He came over. We were playing five-handed, and there was two guys there who were just giving the money away. All of it. Just didn't care, right? I but, do love those players. Right. Just every hand. Just you know, they were gonna. They were just gonna bet a bunch, call a bunch, lose, and just yell, and everyone would laugh at the end of the hand, and they'd rebuy and just kept rebuying, and it was fine. But then the floor heard them screaming, you know, all sorts of curse words. And they're like, you can't act like this in the room. We have to have the room. You have to respect the players at the table. And I was kind of like, calm down. He can stay as long as he wants. I don't care what he calls me. But if he's throwing money at me, he can call me whatever. See, I like that the floor kind of came and did it. Because I feel like this is another tough spot as a dealer. Because as a dealer, you're annoyed. You want to move the game along. But at the same time, and sometimes these people are horrible for the game just in general because they're, like you say, screaming obscenities and all that. But as a dealer, you'd also know that as bad as they're being, there are eight other players that now have their mark and know, you know, and know that some profit is coming their way. So you're you're just towing such a fine line. I'm kind of glad that it was the floor and not the dealer. You raise a good point. I, I do agree with you that I really do think it's the floor's responsibility to come out and talk to these players. Um, one, just because it kind of puts the dealers in a weird spot. And, uh, you know, some of the dealers probably aren't looking to get into confrontation every night. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to be tough. I Like I say, I never really wasn't thinking about that side of it when I was thinking about that. And, yeah, it's – I mean – when you're going through multiple tables a night too, it's on it's unlikely you're gonna go through five or six tables where, you know, there's not one or two assholes in there. Yeah, absolutely. But you raise a good point. But I guess the moral of the story is you don't want to be a dealer anymore. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> my ups, my my downswing's over. And after seeing <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, no, I am I I really respect the amount of patience that it shows to do that job. So I. Like I say, I hadn't been at back-to-back really tough tables in a long time. Uh, tough to run, not tough to play at, because they were great to play at. Oh, another re- thing. I tell you what, I can handle a rowdy table. My phone better not die. My phone died one night. That was very tough. <laughs> um, yeah, I could see how that would be 
Well, because you normally bring your headphones too, right? I bring my headphones. So at least, at the very least, you know, I throw those headphones in. Sometimes I throw them in and don't even put music on. Sometimes just doling the, you know, like kind of keeping the noise down. They're not exactly noise canceling, but they still block noise. And they kind of send a good message to people that you're not there to chit chat. Uh, especially the right people sometimes, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was tough. But it, it, like I say, it was kind of an eye-opening week between all of the events that happened. One thing that I did learn though when I was a dealer is it is so much easier when you're on the other side of the table, whenever you're not the one in the box dealing, like seeing certain things, or because man, it's almost like you can blank sometimes. Like, because I also dealt blackjack. And it's very easy for the player who's sitting there looking at his hand to remember how much he has or what his number is or whatever. But when you have, I don't remember, five or six people, when you have to do everyone's hand plus your own and the payouts. Same thing with poker, though. Like, sometimes you could see a hand or get confused in a big multi-way tournament or multi, uh, multi-pot multi hand in a tournament and getting mixed up. But it looks so easy as the player. So I guess just keep that in mind when you're playing that. The dealers don't have it as easy as it looks because sometimes it looks like they make it look just effortless. They're like they're just sitting there looking at the back wall, just daydreaming. But it is not as easy as it looks. I was about to say the, the a couple the room I play at a couple of players have wanted to deal here and there. I'll tell you what, not one has wanted to do it like full time. They were just getting murdered on just making mistakes. Then everybody pointing out their mistakes, and these were the players who were kind of telling everybody else how you know what they were doing wrong so you're right it just because it looks easy doesn't mean it's it is easy i mean they just are making it look easy absolutely but i but yeah i guess overall great week for you mediocre week for me <laughs> with the sessions got to play the, my first live stream though which was super cool never realized how big the cards are Oh, that's that's really cool. I'm I'm glad you were finally able to have that. I know you've been wanting to do that, so I'm glad you got to experience that. Yeah, it wasn't great to experience, you know, losing two buy-ins, but that'll happen. Well, that's poker. Uh, I've lost a lot more. Was losing a ton more, so it was. Uh, I'm glad to hear. Uh, I'm glad to hear you got the experience, and you can go and live that, uh, relive that over and over again for your experience for your entire life. There we go. Or maybe they'll just take it down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure say, you'd be okay with it. I said five sevens in the deck. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That might be the one that you can't go back. <laughs> uh, so I guess earlier today I had kind of an interesting hand. Um, well, I guess I never asked you what ended up. How did you end up busting out of the prime um, satellite? You never uh, end up telling me what happened. Oh, I mean, all my all my fault. Uh, <laughs> this was not meant for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got Ace King, uh, bet, and kind of lulled myself into thinking. So I raised preflop. I get one caller. He's been kind of erratic, a little bit of aggressive. It comes, and I just got married to this hand and talked myself into it. It comes four, five, six, different suits. I check thinking it's bad for my range and he bets half pot i call knowing that he's probably putting me on over cards that i missed and that he could also have over cards and just be trying to steal this pot could also have a seven where he or like 
maybe seven nine suited. I just felt like there were hands that I had beat here. Uh, and then the turn comes. I check. He bets. Old, he bets again, but it's tiny compared to the size of the pot. I just this is where I should have got away from it. I call just thinking that he knows that he's trying to get me off this hand. And then on the river, he bets. It was like twenty thousand into one twenty. Uh, it paired the top card uh, that was on the flop. It was another six. So I'm like, would he have played a? Uh, this is unlikely that he has a six here, and it's unlikely he would have played any of the other cards this aggressively, and just leveled myself into making a crap call. It. I mean, it was twenty thousand into like I think one twenty or something to a uh, call, so it wasn't. I feel like it wasn't a bad call in the river, but it was a horrible call in the turn. Uh, I still have hip chips and end up getting it all in with like a kind of a weak ace. I was just kind of blinded out, and you know had to pray for the best, and the best didn't happen. <laughs> and then we caught you in the cash game. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, in that cash game, I had kind of. Well, it was definitely interesting at the end. I was about to leave, and then I get dealt two red aces. The guy to my right, he almost always limped almost 100% of his hands. He makes it 12. So I was like, okay. I was not expecting to have to three bet with these aces, but I'll do it. Okay. So I three bet to 45 because the, the guy who raised... Um, um, pretty loose or not loose pretty tight and passive so i was kind of expecting the whole table to full because it was early position he makes it 12 i instantly three bet someone actually calls in late position okay and then he calls so three to the flop exactly so the flop comes two of hearts four of spades six of diamonds it sounds pretty amazing for your hand right so I bet 50, the the preflop, uh, well, sorry, the guy to my right checked. I bet 50. The other guy snap jams all in for 310 total. The guy folds. I snap call, um, thinking it could be kings, queens, jacks. Um, he has the 7, 8 of spades for... Um, no flush draw and drills the five for the gut shot. That was pretty hurtful. That is pretty hurtful. That's, I don't know. But I don't, was there one spade on the flop? Nope. Oh, God. Just two overs and a gut shot. That's all you need to make it these days, really. God, I just don't understand. Like, I can... Especially once you bet the flop. Like, a call would be a light call here. A jam over your pre-flop three bet and, uh, man, and your bet on the flop. I mean, I'll, I'll, I will say, I'll disagree with you on this, this deal. I don't see him having kings or queens. Especially a player that's willing to get it all in here on the gut shot. I mean, I got to feel like that would have just gotten in the pre-flop, right? I would think so, but um, I hadn't played with this guy that that much. Okay. Um, I played with him a few times where 
ace high was good when I was bluffing, and he called. But, but I mean, obviously, sevens, eights, nines, tens. I think Jack. I'm not sure everybody like uh, f- uh would three bet would four bet jacks here. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, all I can say is that's great for poker that people are jamming all in with gut shot straight draws. Bad for you this, that session. Right, but I guess this probably concludes episode four of the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up, add time, and we'll see you next week.